May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. So it seems that the stakes were high in Jerusalem. Jesus was within a few days of his betrayal and death, and as Mark records it, his teaching in the temple had become very direct and succinct. <clears throat> you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength, Jesus said in response to a question about the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this, he continued, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now, since the gospel passage that we heard today almost directly follows that teaching, the great commandment, it sounds a bit like an object lesson, no? Don't be like those arrogant scribes who seek attention and exploit widows and say long prayers because that's not how we love our neighbors. But do be like that generous widow who gave everything, because that's how we love God. Now this kind of teaching might come as a sort of uncomfortable rebuke to those of us who wear long robes in church, but it is a great message for stewardship season, right? Just give everything you have, and we will exceed our budget goal in spades. I'm done. <laughs> but sandwiched in between his stern warning about the arrogant scribes and his witness to the generosity of a widow, Jesus did a curious thing. He sat down and he watched. Seriously, pull up your leaflet again and notice that odd bit of stage direction that Mark inserted into the midst of all these dense teachings. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched. That phrase really caught me up short. How many times would I have been wiser to sit down and watch before I opened my mouth? And not just because I'm an extrovert and have a tendency to speak before I think but also because if I slow down and watch, I might just see something new, something that actually needs to be spoken about. As the poet Mary Oliver wrote in Instructions for Living a Life, pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. So Jesus sat down. He paid attention to what was going on in the temple. Which leads me to wonder if Jesus wasn't so much using the story of the widow as an illustration for his ethical teaching, but rather that he was simply astonished by her and wanted to tell us about it. She gave everything that she had astonishing. She gave to a temple system that exploited her. Recall that in the same passage we heard this morning, Jesus had just said that the scribes devoured the houses of widows. And she also gave to a temple that would itself soon be destroyed. Astonishing, 
I'm not sure that I'd counsel you to emulate her offering, and I'm not really convinced that that's what Jesus was trying to do either. But I do know for sure that he took the time to pay attention to her and tell about it. Now, one advantage to sitting in the best seats in the temple here with my, my fellow scribes is that we get to see a lot of what's going on. Our liturgy forces me to sit and watch what people do. And I'll confess that I am routinely astonished by what I see. I am astonished by your care for each other. I'm astonished by your generosity. I'm astonished by your good humor and creativity. I'm astonished by your best efforts, the ones that lead you to accomplishments which satisfy and delight you. And I am equally astonished by those disappointments and failures that lead you to acknowledge your dependence on God alone. This is what happens to us when we do like Jesus and take time to watch the crowd. We see astonishing things, things that might be overlooked if we were watching only the attention-seeking scribes and their contemporary equivalents on Fox News. We, when we give our attention to the wholeness of the human community we live within, we begin to see astonishingly holy things happening in the middle of the ordinary. The true nature of things, especially the things we might be tempted to overlook, become visible through our patient regard for them. They are made sacred, which is the literal definition of sacrifice. Today's lessons are full of sacrificial themes, and I don't want to let that slide by without acknowledging how complex that word is, both in theological and popular usage. We hear it every Sunday in our Eucharistic prayers, most of which echo the theology of the letter to the Hebrews, which tells us that he, being Jesus Christ, has appeared once for all at the end of the age to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself. Sacrifice here referring to the ancient temple system whereby human sin was paid for, so to speak, by the ritual death of other creatures. Now within this transactional understanding of relationship with God, Jesus' own death could be understood then, as we say, as the perfect sacrifice the one that renders other sacrifice unnecessary. Now that there is some complicated theology of salvation and not necessarily one we all share, but it is a coherent one. Our tradition offers other complicated examples of sacrifice. Today's lessons, for example, pair two stories of widows, certainly not by accident, who gave everything that they had of meal and oil and money. These stories, along with countless other examples from Christian and popular culture, might lead us to conclude that sacrifice is what happens when women or other marginalized people 
are asked to give more than they reasonably can or should. But I think there's another way to understand the offerings of these humble women that we heard about today, and for that matter, of Jesus himself. What if sacrifice doesn't mean so much giving what a sin-accounting God requires of temple-goers, or doesn't mean giving more than we ought to, but rather means giving ourselves wholeheartedly to God's purposes. As best we human beings ever know God's purposes, that is, the hard good news that you know as well as I do is that we don't always understand what we're doing. Sometimes we give our all to a cause we believe in and don't get the outcome we want. I'm not at all convinced that that widow got the outcome she wanted from her gift to the temple. But I am convinced that when we give our all, God is paying attention to us and recognizes our offerings as sacred. Wilfred Owen, one of the great English poets of the First World War, certainly wasn't at all convinced of the goodness of the outcome when just a week before Armistice Day in 1918, he joined the 17 million who sacrificed their lives to the Great War. But nevertheless, he practiced a discipline of paying attention to the holy in the midst of the hellish, and he told about it. In his poem, Spring Offensive, he wrote of a European countryside stained by the blood of his compatriots. So soon they topped the hill and raced together over an open stretch of herb and heather exposed. And instantly the whole sky burned with fury against them and soft, sudden cups opened in thousands for their blood and the green slopes chasmed and steepened sheer to infinite space. Of them who running on that last high place leapt to swift unseen bullets or went up on the hot blast and fury of hell's upsurge or plunged and fell away past this world's verge. Some say God caught them even before they fell. I'd like to believe that in his poetic imagination, Wilfred Owen saw things as God sees them, saw the wholeheartedness of the gifts made by the most vulnerable of humankind, and told about it. From the temple to the battlefield to our homes and workplaces, God notices our sacrifices. Even when we don't know what we're doing or even question what we're doing, God notices the offerings that we make. On this eve of Veterans Day, let me assure you that God notices the young women and men who give themselves to military service, even to wars they may not have chosen. God notices what they give. 
God notices when each of us give our best to care for a disabled child or an aging parent or a partner at the end of their life, even if they are never in a position to thank us. God notices. God notices when we stay up late to help a colleague get the job done. Even if the end product isn't successful, God notices. God notices when we take the time to understand a neighbor who is difficult, even if the relationship remains conflicted to our dying days. God notices what we give, even if the only wholehearted gift we have to make is our tears of grief or shame. God notices. In a few minutes, we'll gather around this table to remember when the time came for Jesus to complete upon the cross the sacrifice of his life, as our Eucharistic prayer calls us to. And we'll also pray to offer ourselves a living sacrifice this is what I am paying attention to in our temple this morning. Jesus' whole life being met by our whole hearts. I'm astonished, and I'm telling about it. This is our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, it invites us to give no less than everything we have, all that we have to live on. Amen?